Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I said, like, I'll make you a bet. I will bet you that the month I make more money than you do, and mind you, we're 25 years old. I said, the money I make more money than you do, he was making three times what I was making. I was making about, I don't know, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a month. He was making $30,000 a month, which was a ton of money. This is back in 2003 for a 25-year-old. It was a ton of money now for a, non, a non-25-year-old. And um, I said, the m- month I make more money than you do, you have to move to San Francisco Break up with your fiance, become my business partner. And he said, deal. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazade. And today we have a very special solo. And I'm entitling this, How to Overcome Massive Failure. But the way I've, I've learned in life is the more massive the success inevitably could land you to a more massive failure. And so today's a story. It's, it's the story of my first big success that led to my first really big failure. And um, I'm going to show you something right now. This is something that many, many entrepreneurs fight for. And this is uh, this right here is let me put it in front of the camera here. This is a I'm holding up. If you're watching the video version of this, this is my number forty in the Inc. Five Thousand Award that I actually just recently got, and it's back from back in 2007. And so it's 2022. Fifteen years later, I got my. Inc. 5000 Award, number 40 in the Inc. 5000, 40th fastest growing company in the United States that I built when I, that I started when I was 25 years old. And when I started the company, it was myself. I was 25 and I decided I wanted to start my own uh, mortgage brokerage. And it was myself and I hired an assistant. And I 
quickly grew the company. And I made a bet. This is actually kind of a funny story. I had made a bet. I have a twin brother. The name of the company, by the way, is Twin Capital Mortgage. And, and I come up with a name. There used to be a, a supplements company called Twin Labs. Maybe it still exists. And I had, when I decided I wanted to start my own mortgage brokerage, I had decided that I wanted to uh, come up with a really cool name. And, and I wanted my, bi- my business partner to be my twin brother, Mike. And he, first of all, shot me down. The reason he shot me down was that we were both in the mortgage industry at the time. I lived in San Francisco. He lived in Orange County, California. And he basically was making way more money than I was. So he said, well, why would I come and join you? I'm making like three times the money you're making. And, and I said, well, you know, how about, how about this? We'll make a little bet. And here's, here's how, how I'd like to do the bet. First of all, he was engaged to be married at the time. And, and I did not love his fiance. She was, she was a nice person, but I didn't think she was right for him. Truth be told, I actually hated her. <laughs> and so uh, he was my twin brother and, you know, I was being protective and, and she just, I, I just think, didn't think that they were a good fit. And so I said, look, I'll make you a bet. I will bet you that the month I make more money than you do, and mind you, we're 25 years old. I said, the money I make more money than you do, he was making three times what I was making. I was making about, I don't know, $10,000, $12,000 a month. He was making $30,000 a month, which was a ton of money. This is back in 2003 for a 25-year-old. It was a ton of money now for a, non, a non-25-year-old. And um, I said, the m- month I make more money than you do, you have to move to San Francisco, break up with your fiance, become my business partner. And he said, deal. So I started the business in July of 2003. And it was, again, it was myself in a one-room office with an assistant. And, and, but it was a good time to start a mortgage brokerage. Uh, we quickly took off. And by September of 2003, July, August, September, 90 days in, the business made its first $100,000 a month. And my brother, within a week, quit his job, broke up with his fiance, and moved to San Francisco from Orange County, California to be my business partner. So right away, we got a ton of momentum. Now, so I'm going to tell you this. First of all, I had recognized something, and this was intuitive at the time, was that my brother is a, is a great salesperson. He's a great business development person. He's, he's kind of a savant of sales. And, and I didn't love sales. I mean, I was good at sales, and I've always been good at sales, but, but I didn't love sales the way he loves sales. So I made a cardinal, you know, not cardinal mistake, but I made a really great move, which is I partnered with somebody that complemented my strengths in an extreme way. And number two, I brought in someone who was really good at bringing in business. And so for those of us that want to, when we want to be successful in business or build a business, I really think that people, a lot of times operators will start a business and they don't have that sales counterpart or that business development counterpart. And, and that was probably the first huge step in the right direction I made for this business. And so the business right away, I handed over all all business development and sales to my brother and the business did about $300,000 in revenue in 2003. And we had been open for about six months. and so. I really was, was, you know, happy with that. And we took off like gangbusters. The business grew for myself and my brother and an assistant quickly to about seven or eight people because of the amount of sales he brought in. I was still doing some sales. And with, by 2004, it was, a, it was a couple million dollar business. 2005, it was a $5 million business. And in 2006, we grew to $8.4 million. So this business grew like crazy. Now, in 2006... I had got admitted to MIT's Birthing a Giants program. And around this time, I mean, I was absolutely obsessed. I'm going to say this. I was obsessed with the Inc. 
mag- Ink Magazine. And for those of you who are entrepreneurs, you'll know Ink Magazine is a very famous magazine. And they had a thing at the time called the Ink 500, which was you had to be one of the 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. In 2007, it became the Ink 5000. And so in order to do that, what they did is they looked at your three-year growth from your first year all the way up until your last year. And so for me, they looked at 03, 04, 05, uh, and 06. And they looked at those three years of growth and the, the spread between the two. How much had the business grown over that time? And so the business, I mean, for those of us who remember the housing market, this was, this was a mat, this was like made the, this, this probably made the housing market of today look a little weak. I mean, the housing market was booming. My business grew from really from myself and an assistant. Once I had my brother, we grew to 150 employees in three years. And I will tell you this, I had no idea what I was doing. It was a trial by fire the whole way. And I remember in uh, probably May or June of 2007, I was sitting in my office. We had grown to a 17,000 square foot office in downtown San Francisco metal and glass and cement and it was this beautiful office and high-tech building and i remember sitting there thinking to myself i I had had this interaction with this guy in my company where i'd asked him a question now the business was starting to fall apart at this point and i essentially was running a business that i hated and i remember i sat down at my desk and i looked across this vast sales floor and i had this feeling in my gut where i said man i hate my company and then the next words that came out of my mouth was, and it's all my fault because I was a CEO and I owned, I owned it. And so I, I started down this path of how do, I, how do I turn this around? How do I build a better business? And I started running the business the right way. We started having strategic meetings and doing strategic planning. And I started really working on building the culture and, and started really working on building the infrastructure to run a more effective business. Because this time the business had grown on nearly a $10 million business. We were about doing about a million dollars in revenue in 2007 per month. And I also applied for the Inc. 5000. Now, again, this has been my dream. I, I, need, I wanted to make the Inc. 5000 from really from the time I started. started. And I was under the age of 30 at this time. And we applied for it. And, and right around the summer of 2007, things started to get tumultuous. For, for those of us that remember the market, Bear Stearns had failed, I believe, during, right around that time. I may be off by a year. We had New Century Mortgage, which was a huge publicly traded company. They had failed. And I was sitting at the eye of the storm of what became known as a subprime meltdown. And in August of 2007, I had been having lunch with a friend of mine who inevitably went on to selling his company to a, a public traded company. He's done really successful. Uh, his name's Evan Stone. And uh, in fact, I ended up partnering with him a couple years later. But he got a phone call from his rep at what was then known as a country, company by the name of Countrywide. And, and for uh, listeners who are over the age of 30, you'll, you'll remember that Countrywide was the largest lender in the United States. They, they had like some crazy market share. And they said, you know, they may not be buying loans. And in the mortgage business, what you do is you make loans and then you sell them. So it would, it would be like having, I don't know, like having any business that all your buyers go away. What I told people during COVID, I said, the mortgage meltdown of 2007 and eight and nine really was very similar to what happened to hotels and restaurants and more really more so business hotels and hotels like in March of 2020 during COVID. They had a a subprime mortgage meltdown moment. 
like literally no, like your business went to zero, except the government wasn't bailing anybody out. And, and so uh, at least then they weren't. They started bailing out the banks a couple years later. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you. They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear, uses directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So in August of 07, the, the secondary market, the credit markets literally collapsed. And my business was on track to have its best month ever. 
We had, you know, a couple million dollars of revenue in our pipeline for that month. And I got the phone call from my friend. And so I started doing some investigation and reaching out to seeing, man, what, well, what's, what's going on in my marketplace? And well, as luck would turn out, yeah, it was true. The credit markets had seized. Uh, they quit buying loans. And I had to make this really tough decision of whether I was going to continue to fund loans. Now, I had about these, tw- I think I had 20 or $30 million worth of, of large credit facilities. They're called warehouse lines that we'd fund our loans on, and then we'd sell them to whoever was buying them. We were selling them to Deutsche Bank or Bear Stearns or you know Countrywide or Lehman Brothers. We were selling them all, all these names. Some of them you may not even know now, but they were huge, 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 massive institutions at the time. And so I had two decisions. I could either continue to fund loans on these warehouse lines that, by the way, I had personally guaranteed. I had personally guaranteed these warehouse lines and potentially be stuck with loans that I couldn't sell and it would bankrupt me and my brother, or I could quit funding loans and try to figure out how to make it through this weird time. And so I made my decision was the latter decision. I decided to quit funding loans. I, I didn't want to risk bankruptcy, which I, I was really scared about. And so I literally turned off the pipeline. I brought my entire staff into the conference room. There was 150 employees at the time. And I told them we're no longer funding loans. And I remember it was, I call it Black Friday. It was like Friday, August 7th, 2007. And I was, you know, I was at this point, you know, 29 years old. I wasn't even 30 years old. And I had this, you know, what I considered a big company at the time. And I had to make that decision. Hey, gang, Darius Mashaza here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. So listen, I know we have a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners out there that listen to the show. And right now, if you're one of those folks and you're doing, let's call it a bare minimum of seven figures and above in your business, then what I'd like to do is give you an offer right now. How would you like to get your hands on the frameworks that I actually used to scale my last company, which started off as a small little seven-figure company? to over $100 million in annual revenue. And I did it in less than two years and I did it without costly growing pains, without the headaches that that you usually experience when you are scaling your businesses. So if you're one of those folks and you're trying to grow your company, but you're you're finding yourself stuck in that day-to-day, if you're one of the listeners and you're getting grinded, this is your respite from getting grinded on your business, you're listening to our show and you're dealing with the breakdowns, you're dealing with inefficiencies, and you know, you've got that firefighter suit on and all the problems lining on your desk and you're, you're not doing the work you're supposed to be doing, which is working on the business instead of in it, then what I'm about to talk to you about for the next call 60 seconds, this is precisely for you. Real quickly though, if you don't already know this about me, prior to starting The Greatness Machine, I spent 20 years of my life as a founder and CEO of real world companies. And during that time, I actually grew my companies to over $1.2 billion with a B in bootstrap revenue. In fact, uh, we scaled out my last company from 30 to 1,000 employees, and we did it in just 36 months. And we did it all by using a three-step framework that I call my scale map method. So that, of course, brings us to the purpose of this here mid-roll ad. Yes, this is what the podcast producers call these things. Recently, I created a 30-minute training. And what it does is it walks you step-by-step through all of my scale map method frameworks. And you can watch it right now for free when you go to DariusScale.com. That's my first name, Darius. Scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And what these frameworks do is they fix... They simplify and they streamline every single aspect of your business. 
and they do it without the need for complicated scaling systems that are typically way too difficult and way too time consuming for a busy CEO like you and from like myself was to implement. So if you want a simple and you want a proven path to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations, just like I did, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is leading your company to record growth without the headaches and without the growing pains, go to DariusScale.com. That's www.DariusScale.com. Watch the short video and I'll see you guys on the inside. Now, back to the show. And... Around the same time this happened, I uh, probably around a month before, I got a letter from Monsanto. I think it was Monsanto or Inc. 500. I made the Inc. 500. <laughs> I was the 40th. We were the 40th fastest growing company in the United States right before this had happened. And we were invited to an award ceremony in Chicago, Illinois in September of 2007. And so from August to September 2007, I was hemorrhaging money. I hemorrhaged a million dollars that month. And the business wasn't very big. We probably added two million bucks to our name. Um, I'd left all the money in the business that we had grown over the years for the most part. And we hemorrhaged half of the money we had saved over the previous five years, literally or four years, excuse me, in 30 days. So uh, one lesson to learn in business that, that you don't learn until you learn it, <laughs> at least I didn't learn it, was that expenses always come in arrears. So you're paying today's accounts payable for things that already happened. So if you have a sudden disruption in your business where you aren't making money, your revenue stops coming in, you still have to pay expenses that already happened. So there's like this delay. And so when you have a disruption, you still get pe- like you. It's not like all, all of a sudden your expenses drop. You get pounded with your past expenses later. And so because of the delay of accounts payable and things like that. And so I got pounded and we lost a million dollars. And I literally could not shrink my company fast enough. And so we went to the Inc. 5000 conference in Chicago, Illinois. And, and my, my joke I've said over the years is that as I was receiving my award, it was a black tie affair. My brother and I were absolutely depressed when we were there. And, and I said, as I received the award for the 40th fastest growing company in the United States, I was actually the jokingly, I would say this jokingly, I don't know what the actual number was, but I said I was the 40th fastest shrinking company in the United States. And it was this really, I, I guess, sad moment now that I think back about it as an entrepreneur, where I worked so hard to achieve this, this moment where I could, you know, celebrate. And, and when I went there to get it, it, it wasn't there. And it was this, it ended up being a really poignant, sad moment in my entrepreneurial career where we didn't get to celebrate this great moment. Came back, and I always tell people that it was we we were cutting the business as fast as we possibly could, and within ninety days, I had shrunk the business from about one hundred and fifty employees to call it ten or fifteen employees. Um, the business itself had shrunk from about a million dollars a month in revenue to around a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue. And I was sitting in a lease that cost $30,000 a month, just to put it into perspective. And miraculously, though, the balance sheet did not evaporate. It went from about $2 million in money in the company down to about $200,000. I I, what I liken it to say is that the, 
the train had hit the had flipped off the tracks and was sliding towards the edge of a cliff. <laughs> and, and right before it went off the cliff, it stopped and we were still alive. And and so, you know, the title of this of this podcast is How to Overcome Massive Failure. And one could say, oh, this was the massive failure. And, and at the time, it felt that way. By December of 2007, I, I had a, a pr- practically dead business. I had figured out a way to essentially shrink the expenses to break even. Uh, we were, you know, we had about $100,000, $150,000 revenue per month. We get, regained some of our revenue. Again, I lost 85% of my revenue from a million a month down to 150000 literally in like 120 days. Uh, shrunk the staff. Went to bare bones, quit paying myself, quit paying my brother, quit paying himself, like literally went into survival mode, pivoted, the, started pivoting the business. We started pivoting into debt settlement and reverse mortgages. And at that point, what was agency loans? Because we were a subprime mortgage lender at the time and had gotten the business to, you know, relatively the, the patient in intensive care became stable. And and I wish the story would end there. But but what ended up happening was. 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. We ended up living. The business lived, and I and these are there's a name for this. It's called a Walking Dead company or zombie company. It lived and made no money for the next three and a half years until we were forced to shut it down in the end of 2009, beginning of 2010. And you know, when I look back at this experience as an entrepreneur. Um, without question, it ranks as the number one most painful experience I have ever had in business. And 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 I spent those years pivoting and pivoting and pivoting and pivoting. And I lived in San Francisco in the time. So in 2008, San Francisco was still doing well. I, rem- I remember watching all my friends who were entrepreneurs. And, and at that point, I had gotten into entrepreneurs organization. I was in a CEO forum and they were all still doing well. And I remember having this like moment of schadenfreude in end of 2008. 2009 when when uh beginning 2009 when 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 the economy went into you know a essentially a collapse with the banking crisis because i was about a year ahead of it and i was like oh now they all know how i feel and and it and looking back it was an immature response to a really really traumatic hard experience but we ended up shutting the company down and then we pivoted even more uh we started doing joint ventures and it wasn't until 2012 that we, we had our next big success. But 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, five years of absolute pain, absolute suffering, absolute just perseverance to try to figure out what's next. And it eventually, 2012 happened. We had our first big success since Twin Capital. And then we started the money, uh, building the money source in 2013, which became a, a really, really massive success. It's one of the largest you know, mortgage lenders in the United States now, uh, the company I, I exited and built. But when I look back at this time in my life, I, had, I learned a couple massive lessons. And the number one lesson I learned out of all, anything and everything you could think of, and I have some emotional and some practical lessons. So I'm going to kind of go through the emotional stuff first, and I'll give you the practical lesson second. The number one practical lesson I learned was to, that I, the market was beating the shit out of me. But more so than that, I was beating the shit out of myself. I was so hard on myself. And I had regrets for, for anything I had done wrong. As hard as the market was on me, 
I was probably 10 times harder on myself. And as now as a 43-year-old man, 14 years later, 15 years later, I realized I needed to give myself grace. I needed to not beat myself up. I needed to give myself some latitude to make a mistake and to realize that I was trying, I was doing the best I could with the information I had at the time. And it just wasn't good enough, unfortunately. And I was in good company, man. Like, you know, like three, 75% of the mortgage industry went away. You know, some of the largest institutions in America blew up. And, and so it's not like I was, you know, some loan, some loan company that blew up. I, I was in a huge, you know, it's a multi-trillion dollar business that blew up and, and I was just in the middle of it. The second thing I learned though, emotionally was that when we're in these tough moments, we need to find the small successes. We need to, we, and whether that's what you go outside of it personally, or whether you're, you know, in your business, you got to go for that low hanging fruit. And I had that moment in 2008, nine. Uh, when I was forced to start selling again. Now, mind you, remember I had said my brother was became the salesperson. So I stopped selling and I grew the business. I was the the scale person in the business, which I've always obsessed about and loved. And and he was, I was the CEO and he was the president and his job was to bring in the, the business. And mine was to make sure we could, you know, from a strategy perspective, continue to grow. But that, that wasn't like when you're not growing, like what are you doing? And I and and he got really tired of my not selling and we need the money and and even though we weren't paying ourselves, we the business needed to survive. So I started selling again, and I got a shot in the arm. I remember the first day I got on the phones, I was disappointed I had to, I had to get on the phones to sell again. But at the same time, um, I remember the moment I made that first sale, and it felt good. And so one of the lessons I learned is when we're in triage, when we're when we're really going through hell, we got to find small wins because small wins be, we get bigger wins, we get bigger bigger wins. So we need to build rebuild our momentum because a lot of success is around leverage and momentum. And I had a lot of momentum going back to uh, 03 September when my brother came in as my business partner, he provided leverage and momentum to the business. And I really believe to have big successes in anything, you need leverage and you need momentum. And if you hit that, that, that wall, you lose all your momentum. And so you need to rebuild your momentum. And, and that could be from a small win, like the smallest of small wins. Momentum starts with that first baby step. And I didn't, and I was so stuck in my own depression and, and, and I had created so many, you know, I saw it as me taking a step back in my career to, to get back to sales. And it was the, it was, again, it was an immature response. And, uh, my, the more wis wisdom I have now, I would, I, the advice I would have given Darius in 2009, you know, 31 year old Darius was, Hey man, just, just go get a small win under your belt. And one win will, will be get two, will be get three. And, and so that was, that was a really eye-opening experience. And, and the last the emotional you know, advice I would have given myself to overcome a massive failure is at the time I, I, I did it for money. I said, you know, this is the, I, we had made so much money, in, 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 at least in our, in our minds, even though we ended up giving it all back, that I was there for money, but I didn't love, the, I didn't love what, what I was doing at all. I was, I, I, it wasn't fun. I wasn't, I wasn't growing. I was just grinding. And, and when I look back and cause sometimes people will say, Oh, wasn't that like the best thing that ever happened to you? And I said, fuck no, I would never do that to myself again. You know, didn't give myself grace, had no momentum and I didn't enjoy any of it. Uh, it wasn't fun. And so it, the advice I would have given 31 year old Darius or 29 year old Darius was like, listen, man, you, it doesn't always have to be fun, but you have to enjoy enjoy the process. 
And the, the way you enjoy the process is you have to enjoy what you're doing to a certain degree. You have to have passion for what you're doing. And I just didn't have the passion for it. Now, fast forward to five years after the, the initial collapse, I, I ended up, you know, finding my passion again and, and, and got a lot of momentum. And, 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 you know, if you try hard, it, it, if you fail over and over and over again for, for 60 months and don't get paid any money, like eventually, you know, something's probably, probably going to give, which is exactly what happened. So having the perseverance was great, but, but the expense it came out, the mental toll it came out, wasn't worth it. So, so for me that, those were the emotional and, and, men, and mental learnings I had from that event. And so fast forward to 2022, I realized I never had gotten my Inc. 5000 award. <laughs> so I reached out to Inc. and I said, hey, you know, uh, actually, I think I lied to him and told him that it, it got lost in a, in a move. But, but I, I, I didn't know if they had it and they had to go dig into their archives. And, and yes, they sent me my award. Here it is, my Inc. 5000 award. Um, so I, I, it's true. I, I'm a number 40 in the Inc. 5000 CEO, but, um, but yeah, you know, overcoming a massive failure is about putting yourself in the, in the highest chance for success. And, and that really requires giving yourself grace, having, you know, the wherewithal to not beat the shit out of yourself when you're not doing well, you know, giving yourself momentum, start small with those baby steps for momentum. And last but not least, it's, it's, you know, when we have that momentum, it's finding something that we, we're passionate about. Because inevitably, especially as an entrepreneur in business, you're going to be doing things you don't like. But so motivation is fleeting. We need to have passion for for how we show up because it's hard to be an entrepreneur. It's hard to start a business. It's hard to grind, and we need to have that passion to get us through those moments. So those are my learnings for you guys today. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. I appreciate you all listening to my show here, at The Greatness Machine. I'm going to continue to try to tell you more of my stories in these solos and learnings of my life as an entrepreneur. And, 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 you know, inevitably, you know, all we can do is try to get better. So have a great one. Love you. Peace out. You are listening to the greatness machine and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We'd love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. 
I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.